Welcome to the Pulse of Spokane. I'm Tyler LaMasters. I have Mia Gray here with me today. We are going to be talking about some interesting things. Um, you have a, what would you call it? A, not a disease, a disorder? Uh, PCOS can be labeled as a chronic illness. It's something that, you know, there's still a lot of research being done on it, but it could be something that I was just genetically predisposed to have. Yeah, and real quick before we get into it, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm -hmm. Just tell us what that is real quick. So polycystic ovarian syndrome is a hormonal imbalance disorder. Mm -hmm. So it affects women um, primarily in adolescence um, and prepubescent age. Um, it can have an array of symptoms and it varies depending on the woman. I mean, you can have um, things that are like mood disorders and, you know, fluctuating moods. You can also have hormonal acne and mm. um, weight gain that is just fluctuating. And right. so there's really an array of different symptoms um, that affect... Infertility as well. Infertility, yeah. um, really painful cysts on the ovaries. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of um, common symptoms that get noted, but then there's also you know, depression, anxiety, yeah. um, a lot of insecurities, uh, body dysmorphia, things that come from this illness at its core um, that, that we don't really talk about a whole lot, but are very much there. Right. And you were bringing awareness to this issue. And mm -hmm. the reason why we're having you on is because <laughs> you're doing a really good job at it. You know, you had this really powerful story. Um, you had 18,000 followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I think there's also the physical aspect of the story where you lost X amount of weight. How much weight did you lose? Um, 85 pounds. 85 pounds. Yes. That's amazing. Thank you know, you. but it was mostly due to being treated with PCOS and realizing that you needed to, what, change some so, things the way you lived your life? Right. So as with any journey, health is a huge, huge journey to undertake. And mm -hmm. for me, um, it was many years thinking as an athlete, you know, I was very active and um, yeah. working out consistently. And then all of a sudden, um, it was about 16 years old, I started developing very painful cystic acne. Mm -hmm. My weight was fluctuating, my moods were unstable. I lost the ability to focus at things that I was once passionate about. Yeah. Um, this was all very abrupt and the right. solutions that were offered to me by many providers were, you know, to get on birth control and to lose weight. Well, when PCOS at its core um, really inhibits the body's ability to lose weight due to adrenal deficiencies and ovarian pain and yeah. just overall your body's not communicating as it should. So your weight gain or loss is really not determined by how healthy you eat or how much you exercise. Mm -hmm. And it can leave a person feeling absolutely desperate and, and hopeless in a lot of ways. So my journey yeah. that I shared with my social media was a very raw um, kind of come along with me as I figure this out myself right. um, and take as many avenues as are available to me to show that that healing from it can happen and to essentially give other women hope that, right. that this is not um, necessarily a life sentence. Yeah, and I think that's really important because I actually, my wife has PCOS and when she was first diagnosed with it, there was a lot of questions. We didn't really know what to do because there isn't a quote unquote treatment for it, right? Mm -hmm. um, there are things that they encourage you to do, but there's nothing. It's like you said, they were like, take birth control and do this, you mm -hmm. know, and it doesn't really cure it. 
Right. Um, right. But that being said, the real reason why we, we're having this conversation is because as you were building that awareness and as you were getting all this support and people were being encouraged by your message, mm-hmm. you had 18,000 followers on Instagram, your account was just shut down. Mm-hmm. So why was your account shut down? So in January of 2020 is when I launched my business. I called it Lift and Heal. Um, And the premise of the business was to offer online consultations and coaching to women all over the world who were experiencing the same health issues or maybe not, but just identified with my story of, you know, being overweight, seeking the medical care that I needed, Mm -hmm. taking alternative routes, and essentially going into consultation with these women to identify how I can help them with their individual needs and directing them. And so it took off, it grew. And as I discovered my voice and the power of my story, I wanted to share that. And so I had multiple different news outlets um, reach out to me and and share my story. And so I became very confident with my voice and I I wanted to use it for good. And when we came to um, this heightened awareness last year, not only with our health, you know, for obvious reasons, but within the world at large and different problems that we were facing, um, you know, due to the pandemic and, you know, children being displaced, children being neglected, children being abused, this sort of thing. I wanted to use my platform in a more diverse way. I wanted to speak up for another, um, you know, cause that I was passionate about with it, which is our children and their health and safety as well. And so a few community members actually reached out to me because of my influence and they asked if I would be willing to, you know, start a group that provided a platform for survivors and, and victims of abuse to to have a story to tell. to Specifically to t- children who survive abuse. Exactly, yeah. yes. And I had thousands of women reaching out to me, telling me their stories, you know, um, wow. anonymously. I had people that felt emboldened enough on the group to share it publicly without anonymity. Yeah. Um, it was a really beautiful thing because in a time where community felt really scarce, um, mm-hmm and everything just kind of felt bad. We were given so many powerful stories that provided hope, um, that there was children who, you know, had experienced this atrocity, but became amazing adults who were able to harness that story and and then share it for somebody else. And so- So how does that lead to you getting shut down though? So, (laughs) you know, um, around the, it would have been around October, Facebook came out with a new set of guidelines. And then basically the guidelines stipulated that if the group or um, the entity or whatever um, within their platform was deemed um, to go against what they governed and they didn't specify necessarily, it just kind of was at the whim of, of them deciding. And with that being said, um, we hadn't received any warnings or um, notifications that our group would be taken down or flagged, um, anything like that. We did a good job of moderating the group, making sure it stayed focused. Um, we had about 20,000 Facebook members um, on the group, as well as um, 10,000 that we were pending accepting um, applications for entry in the Jeez. group. So. You know, we were trying to do this in such a tumultuous time where, you know, you have the election and you have, you know, the pandemic, you have all these things. And so you really at a core of it are just a, a person wanting to bring awareness to to a touchy subject and to a to a yeah. cause that you care about. And so So why would why would abusive childhoods be touchy to Facebook? You know, I can only speculate, but um 
what I have observed over the last year is social media and different companies, you know, whatever their political leaning, whatever their influence is, you know, whatever side you stand on, there is an overreach of our speech. And I truly believe that in this time, so much was being censored. I can't say, yes, they deleted me because I was advocating for children. However, the fact that I was deleted at all and not given any um, warning, any, warning, any yeah. um, means to appeal or review, yeah. um, it really was, it felt like an overreach, but it felt like not only an overreach, but really just an overt, just silencing of anything to not even give me an opportunity to to appeal or um, or have a chain of even contact to to right. reconcile anything or get any sort of closure or clarity. So it really leaves me in a spot where, you know, I, it could have just been in the sweep of them censoring other things. And I just got labeled in the mix because a moderator, you know, looked at it and didn't agree with it or, or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but or miscategorized you or anything really either way i mean it begs the question of if if casualties like that happen where groups that are genuinely making empowerful you know empowering um choices and and yeah. changes if that can just get deleted on on a whim or without yeah. explanation i mean what other things are being silenced that we don't know about and that's crazy too because you had two groups Right. I mean, most people can't get a good following on just their own personal Instagram. And you had your your own social media where you're advocating for PCOS and awareness and encouraging in that space. And then you have a separate group that's about child abuse and bringing out those stories and awareness to that. And because one of them was deemed a certain way. Right. Both and, of them and, were and deleted. And solely because, so it was It was the day before the election that my Facebook group was taken down. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, because their restrictions and guidelines had gotten so strict um, in what mm -hmm. they were releasing, I... I had, I mean, I had an inkling that it could potentially happen. Um, however, I was confident that, you know, my, my Instagram had stayed so focused towards women health, women's health and healing that, mm -hmm. um, you know, I thought, well, maybe if they're linked, they might, but I had really hoped that it would, it would just continue on. But, yeah. but no, two days later, I went to log on to my Instagram and solely because my Instagram was linked with my Facebook, um, they took that down too. Yeah. Um, and then after that point, um, it was just kind of, you know, I wasn't able to make a new account and I felt like I had been labeled as, as like a criminal, you know, <laughs> like I wasn't yeah. allowed to talk anymore yeah. um, when nothing I had done seemed. Well, the interesting thing, it brings up an interesting question, right? I don't know if you or I are the people to answer it mm -hmm. because, I mean, you're not a lawyer, are you? No, <laughs> I'm not a lawyer either, but I, I do think I know the question, which is in this day and age, and when social media knows so much about our lives and we rely on it for so many different things, mm -hmm. you can't run a business without having a social media platform, right. right? A business without an Instagram is not a business at all anymore, right. you know? And so it becomes part of our livelihood. Mm -hmm. And if it's part of our livelihood and there's a risk of things just being taken down randomly without any way to appeal it or any way to know what happened, um, what's stopping these social media companies from just shutting down people they don't like, which a lot of people feel is happening already? Um, yeah, I don't know if we know the legal answer to that. And 
right. it's a big conversation. And, and when that happened, you know, you know, leading up to it, people, you know, had said, oh, oh, well, you know, what about your intellectual property? And, yeah. you know, that's years of, you know, photos and, and documents and, and writings that you own. And, and at the end of the day, um, you know, when you're as big as they are and yeah. they have as much power as they do, it belongs um, to them. That falls, yeah. That, my intellectual property rights of these things. Um, when I when I genuinely don't have a phone number to call, an email to call, and yeah. all the links are broken that say, you know, submit a review here, but you click it and it's it's broken. You yeah. know, it's 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 very disheartening. Yeah, um, and you're you're a small entity in this conversation right, right? <laughs> i mean it's big it's big Eighteen thousand yeah. followers that's a lot of people well, it, but yeah. there's a there's a bunch of colleges right now universities that their instagrams and social medias and twitters have been shut down in the last two weeks because they're finding music that they posted you know five years ago that wasn't copyrighted or that is copyrighted and they didn't get permission to do and so you know they'll take down you know, an entire university's social media that has 40,000 followers mm -hmm. um, or more, you know. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, that impacts commerce at this right. point in time. It impacts tuition. It impacts the ability to get research grants because you're affecting the economy of that entity. And right. I, I would hate to see that fall into the hands of someone who's malicious, you know? Right. Well, and as somebody who, you know, was born and raised in Spokane, Washington, and for me, you know, I was that kid where I knew I wanted to do big things, and I knew I was out of the box. I, you know, nobody ever told me I was going to be an entrepreneur, but I think I just put that shoe on and didn't even know it. And yeah. when I was raised, you know, in the generation of, you know, social media, um, I really saw the opportunity that it was and I sought to, t I, I sought to use it, you know, mm -hmm. I, I used it as a tool and I built a business off of it, but I used it not only, it wasn't even for the money or the business, it was more so for telling a genuine story, for, for building a community and using, you know, what seemed like the internet, it seems unescapable, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. to my advantage and to build something that had meaning to me. And I yeah. wanted to show other people that, you know, born and raised in small towns who maybe don't have a clear direction, who maybe are entrepreneurial that, oh, wow, you know, she did it. I could do it too, yeah. you know? And so I really built that and I brought people along with me so that they could feel empowered to do the same. And I really felt that social media was on my side for a long time because, you know, community and, and mm -hmm. growth and development. And so when that happened, it really opened up to a really stark reality that, um, you know, I am so small and I, and I, and I didn't have a voice like I thought I did. And, yeah. you know, so the psychological kind of, um, I guess backlash that I experienced with, within myself because of that experience, because I had come to know the internet as something that was highly beneficial and, mm -hmm. you know, a positive tool for influencing. And when right. that happened, it was like, oh, there's a whole nother side of this that we're not, we're not talking about. Right. And I don't know if I, I don't think I'm the only one that, that has maybe experienced this. Right. You know, serious questions going forward about the future <laughs> and how social media is going to affect it and, and how we participate in that. People can find you Mia J gray mm -hmm. underscore on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think forget social media for a second. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, if you want her to come speak about um, PCOS issues or 
uh, child abuse and her experience with people in that area, I'm sure you would love to be a guest speaker at yeah. an event or something like that, right? Absolutely. Okay. Thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. Appreciate Thank you it. so much. Well, this is Loom's Day in Spokane. We got about 40 firefighters and their friends and family handing out 40,000 cups of water as the day goes by. It's a very good opportunity to see the public and support them and help them out and cheer them on during Bloom's Day. It's one of the best things about Spokane is that we have these major events and the whole community comes together not just to participate but to volunteer and show that they really care about our city and making our city look great. This type of an event really is emblematic of Spokane because so many people get involved. We have 50,000 people probably running this race. Always has been a very huge event. Right now we're at the corner of Broadway and Nettleton. It's the last water station before the finish, so people are pretty much uh, dehydrated by the time they get to us. They really need our water. The water stations are a vital part, especially on a warm days like today. It's real important that we have the volunteers to help with that. Without the volunteers, Bloomsday wouldn't exist. All up and down the course, there are people that are involved in this celebration. It really is a celebration of what Spokane's all about. At Wendell, you are respected, you are valued, and we have an experience tailored to fit your lifestyle. I'm Nick. And I'm Gina. And we bought three cars from Wendell Motors. Uh, throughout the day, I just kind of would get updates, texts, phone calls, and I was actually really impressed with, with how my wife was taken care of. People should shop at Wendell because they make you feel like family. For your tailored experience, come see us at Wendell at the Y or Wendell.com. Welcome to Apex Plaza, Spokane's one-stop cannabis destination. Apex Cannabis features thousands of economy, value, and luxury cannabis products. Canagear features hemp-based CBD products, glass, goods, and gear. Stop by 1325 North Division to experience the Apex difference. This product has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming. Marijuana can impair concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence of this drug. There may be health risks associated with the consumption of this product. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. When building a home or considering a major remodel, who are you going to choose? The Spokane Home Builders Association is an organization that works to elevate professionalism in the residential construction industry. We promote, protect, and educate for our community building our community one home at a time. We are the Spokane Home Builders Association. Thanks for watching. Ask the host a question, recommend a guest, or check out any of our other programs on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SpokaneTalksMedia.com. Sponsored by Local 29 Firefighters Union, Well-Dressed Walrus, and Homes for You. Thank you.